This podcast is for general information only. It is not intended as a substitute for general health care services. If you have medical conditions, you need to see your doctor. Use of this information is at the user's own risk. Welcome to FitRx with Dr. Greg Dennis. Join me as we challenge the standard sick model of healthcare. This is your source for everything health, wellness, prevention, fitness, biohacking, and more. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another edition of FitRx. I'm your host, Dr. Greg Dennis, and I am doing a series on all things hormones, hormone replacement therapy. don't know where this particular episode will fall, um, but today I want to concentrate on a specifically testosterone therapy for men, and I have with me definitely one of the leading experts in that, uh, Dr. Rob Kamenarak. Did I pronounce that right? You got it. All right. Uh, So Dr. Rob uh, is board certified in family medicine. He has uh, advanced certification in age management medicine, as well as bioidentical hormone replacement therapy. Uh, He is the medical director of Renew Health. Uh, He has written a book uh, called the Low T Book. He lectures all over the country and is definitely well-respected in this field and considered a a leading expert uh, with all things testosterone. So, Dr. Rob, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Greg. Good to be here. All right. So, just kind of tell us a little bit about you and, and how you got into this space, uh, how you, I don't know if you ever did kind of traditional family medicine, but, but just kind of your, your evolution is how you became kind of one of the, the leading experts in testosterone. It's been an interesting journey to say the least, uh, 25 years in the making, N- never thought this is where I would be in medicine 25 years ago. And it really was by accident. I was opening up in an urgent care out about 30 miles outside of Dayton. And, uh, kid was pulling out of the parking lot on a motorcycle and got t-boned by a car and uh we ran out packed him up sent him off to the emergency room and well he showed up in the clinic like six months later complaining of uh she's tired all the time a little bit what uh i didn't know what happened is in the process of getting hit by the car and fracturing his pelvis and losing a testicle he ended up losing the other testicle uh in surgery so uh, when he showed up you know minus his testicles and all these complaints, uh, it took one or two visits to realize, oh, hey, he doesn't have any testosterone. And uh, that started the whole journey for me because uh, at the time, family medicine, you spent weeks on female reproductive system, but maybe one day talking about male reproductive health. Uh, really wasn't much of a focus on it. If you looked in Harrison's or any of the family medicine textbooks, there'd be, you know, a paragraph where you had whole chapters dedicated to female reproductive health. So, you know, it was the typical back in 1996, it was 97, I think, uh, you know, 200 milligrams. I am every two weeks, this young man at the time, give him a shot and he'd feel better. Then he'd feel bad. He'd feel better. He'd feel bad. He'd feel better. He'd feel bad. I'm like, wow, this is a terrible way to live. And so that started my research to trying to figure out like, well, there's got to be a better way to dose this. Um, and so back in the late 90s, it was, um, there really wasn't a lot of information out there. It was really kind of internet was just getting started. So, you know, I went to uh, a local gym where I worked out and I knew there were guys there on steroids. And I said to him, 
man, if you're on this stuff, you can't like be taking it every two weeks and feeling good, feeling bad, feeling good, feeling bad. Like, what are you guys doing? You know, he said to me, well, you know, I take 200 milligrams Monday, Wednesday, Friday. And I went, Oh, smokes. That's, <laughs> that's holy smoke. That's a lot of testosterone in a week, but it, it made me jump into the package insert and realize, Hey, on the pharmacodynamics of testosterone, like really every 72 hours. So I said, well, let's take the dosage and dial it down. And so back in the late nineties there, that's when I started doing uh, twice a week and three time a week injections and started doing that. And then all of a sudden, you know, this young man's like, yeah, I feel good all the time instead of this constant wave, you pretty much a, a, a nice distribution of testosterone over time. So, you know, it's been an interesting journey for me over the last quarter century. So you got this guy better. And then was it, was it just kind of through word of mouth? People were people like, Hey, this guy knows how to manage testosterone. And then you kind of grew from there. Now, so over the years, I still was running a, a, a typical family medicine office and working in the ERs and doing all kinds of things. And I was doing you know, prescribing hormones in my practice, you know, estrogen, progesterone, women in menopause. And back then men uh, with low testosterone, I very rarely saw somebody under the age of 40. If I did, it was because they had cancer and had radiation and chemotherapy treatments, but low testosterone under the age of 40 was something where I just hardly ever saw. And I tried all different delivery systems from injections to creams, to pellets, to patches, to gels, you name it, uh, oral, tr tried them all. Uh, but what was interesting in, in an insurance-based environment, they didn't pay for a lot, the insurance companies. So a lot of patients had to pay cash for their hormones. And I realized that at some point in time, I was going to have to peel off. And as my interest in hormones started to dominate, I realized those two worlds really couldn't mix. And, and to do this the right way, I needed to have a separate practice that worked outside the entanglement of the insurance and could take a deep dive into uh, hormone health, both for men and women. So gotcha. that, that's really been my journey over the last 25 years. Um, you know, now, obviously, testosterone is is pretty common. I mean, people are at least somewhat familiar with it. There's there's a, a handful of clinics even around me. But but back then there I'm assuming there was not so. What what kind of feedback were you getting from your colleagues, from endocrinologists in the area? Did they think you were nuts? No, uh, no, not at all. Quite frankly, no one was really taking care of those individual patients. You know, I would talk to urologists, and they would go, "Oh, I, I don't do that." Send them to endocrinology, and I talk to an endocrinologist, and they go, "I, I don't take care of that. I do thyroid, or I, I, I'm a lipidologist or a diabetologist." And it's like, oh, okay. And they're handling the diabetes and the lipids. I'm like, I'll just take care of it myself. And it really was out of watching the suffering and distress of the patients that would come my way. Like there has to be a better way to do this. And so it was in my desire to end their suffering <laughs> that you start exploring different avenues. And then there's societal changes that were occurring. The internet was really starting to blow up. And you had all the bodybuilding forms and the bodybuilders that were, uh, you know, abusing st steroids, you know, prescribed and black market. And, and so there was a really a progression over the last several years. And then you had what was going on just in medicine, the age management medicine revolution over the last 20 plus years uh, with companies like Synagenics, for example, and A4M and age management medical group. So 
there, there's been a lot of changes in the last 20 years in acceptance. I would say at this point in time, it's, it's widely accepted and known that there's really two different systems. There's uh, a health care system and a death care system. And you can choose which one you really want to be a part of. Do you want to just manage illness and not make anybody better? Or do you actually want to make a difference and, and improve the lives and the quality of life and the health span and lifespan of individuals? So for sure. And, uh, and, and I think probably optimizing hormones is a, is a big piece of that. We'll, we'll get into that uh, in a little it's bit. A, it is a, it's a piece of the puzzle. The biggest piece of the puzzle really is nutrition. 90% of this game is nutrition. Couldn't agree more. Um, well, you mentioned something that you said back when you started this, you rarely saw somebody less than 40, you know, that had symptoms of low testosterone, which we'll get into here in a minute. I'm, I'm assuming that's probably changed now. Why is it that we're seeing so much low testosterone now in men with just symptoms of low testosterone? Boy, I, I wish I knew the answer to that million dollar question exactly what is it and, and i don't believe there's one particular reason or cause i think it's multifactorial from food supply water supply environment toxins the number of medications prescribed to millennials and centennials that directly affect the intimate structures of the brain hypothalamus and pituitary function that we're seeing a, a diminution, uh, you know, the decline in, in uh, the gonadotropins. So medications, you know, all the antidepressants, anxiolytics, antipsychotic medications, ADD, ADHD, all those type of medications that believe are play proliferation of toxins in the water supply, uh, in the food, plastics, all of this. I think it's a combination yes. of things really, but I hardly ever saw somebody below the age of 40. And if I did, there was usually a particular, a, an identifiable cause as to why the number of men that I see now in their mid twenties and early thirties, like that 25 to 35 year old range with profoundly low testosterone levels, I'm talking 120 to 250. It's, it's, yeah. It's really, it, it's mind-blowing, quite honestly. Yeah, yeah it is. Uh, I've found, because I've been, I hadn't been doing this as long as you have, but, um, you know, uh, shift work is a killer, and I see a lot of uh, firemen. And so, especially those guys that are younger at, at that age that you mentioned, right. you know, a lot Police of Police officers, firefighters. Yeah, 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 any kind of shift work. Yeah, they'll come in, and, and the, you know, of course, they have all the symptoms, and, 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 and I'm like, yeah, what do you do? Oh, I'm a fireman. Yep. You got low yep. <laughs> pilots in particular, especially mm -hmm. the pilots that do the, the, the night shift long haul, like the UPS FedEx guys, ER docs, ton of ER doctors, uh, dentists are the other ones. And, uh, I think with the dentist, I think it's the exposure to all the chemicals. I'm shocked at the number of dentists that I take care of and that have profoundly low testosterone levels. Mm -hmm. I think the stress of running, uh, an independent business, right. Cause those are, those are, they're pretty busy guys and they've got a lot on their plate. Then the exposure to all the chemicals uh, and radiation, yeah, I think it adds up. So th there are certain occupations, but shift work, boy, we're solar beings, right? We're meant to get up when the sun comes up and we're meant to sleep when the sun goes down and probably next to nutrition. The next thing that's really critical is good sleep hygiene and uh, following the sun, right? hitting the rack 10 between 10 and 11 getting your six to eight hours of sleep uh and staying inside that circadian rhythm has a lot to do with it 
Because yeah. um, I'll see guys in my age group that are in their mid fifties and sixties that are still making adequate and high level of testosterone, right? So I'm 55 and I still kick out on a total somewhere around 900, 925 with a free of 1820. And that's not taking anything. Wow. I, I don't see that very often. When I do see it, it's in, it's in men in my age group, but and, I don't ever see that in 40, 30, 20 year olds anymore, ever. And, and do you just attribute that to your healthy lifestyle, nutrition, circadian rhythm, all that stuff? Yeah, I'm very disciplined with it. And I think the age, I think there's something that guys in their fifties and sixties and seventies haven't been exposed to. Good point. Yep. In, in a great, in a, in a great amount during development. So there's something in the millennial centennial uh, generations that they've been exposed to that men like herself and our older generations haven't. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm not that lucky. I'm a, a little bit younger than you, not, not a whole lot, but I'm in my late forties and I'm fit guy, you know, I stay lean, pretty muscular. I eat pretty clean. I feel like I do everything right. Uh, you know, I, I couldn't get my levels up that high naturally. So, but I mean, fine. I take testosterone. I don't care. It makes, makes me feel better. So I'm good with it. Yeah, well, that's what it's there for. If, yeah, if you yeah. need it, use it. It yeah, works wonders. Sure. Well, it works wonders, just like meat and vegetables. For sure. Yeah. Uh, so let's talk about the symptoms of low testosterone. So what what do most guys complain of that that you know kind of have lower levels? Number the top symptoms that I see uh, across all age groups: fatigue, right? Not only physical fatigue, but mental fatigue. Like I can't stay online and read as much or read more than a couple pages of books in my pages in a book and my brain is tired or trouble dyscalculia, trouble calculating, just simple arithmetic. And they'll feel like their mental ability. That's the number one. So fatigue and mental fatigue, uh, top of the list. Generally in the older age groups, like the 50s, 60s, it's the metabolic syndrome. I'm tired. I'm gaining weight around the middle. I, I don't want to work out. If I do work out, nothing ever changes. I can't seem to get my cholesterol to shift. I feel like my hemoglobin A1C, your blood sugars are climbing. So the metabolic syndrome, guys. Yeah. And then, but number uh, one, fatigue. Yeah. And then there's, you know, the, the, the sexual side effects that I see a lot. I mean, just decreased desire, you know, decreased function, stuff like that. So let's talk about so a guy has these symptoms. Okay. They, they go to their doctor, a typical, you know, family practice doctor. And they say, yeah, you know, I've been tired. I, I saw something about testosterone. So the doctor checks their testosterone and their levels 350. Uh, I'm asking this cause I see it all the time. I'm sure you do too. And so the doctor says, well, you're normal. You're in the normal range. You don't need testosterone. So talk about that a minute as far as our, our lab tests and how, how that matters or does it not matter at all? depending on your perspective, right? So the man who holds the most perspective has the most power. So if we look at this, depending on the perspective, you're looking at it. Yeah. Is it inside the normal range? And the range over the last decade has shifted to the left, right? What used to be 450 to 1200 is now 925 to 250. I'm going to tell you 350 is low bottom of the barrel. It might be in the normal range, of the laboratory, but very few men are going to feel good with a total testosterone of 350 and a free testosterone, which probably would be, you know, about 12, eight to 12 with that kind of a range. I wouldn't call that normal. Right. So, uh, the way to, uh, document that would be as a partial androgen deficiency. It's not complete, right? It's not 
below the scale. So we have a partial androgen deficiency. And then you can take a treatment protocol down a pathway as to how you can resolve that. But 350 is for you and me, I'm going to tell you that's low. For sure. So do you have any cutoff as far as a lab is concerned? You know, if a patient, let's just say a patient's 500, but they have the symptoms, would you still be comfortable starting them on testosterone? Yes. So I treat symptoms, not labs, right? So you can have a man with a total of 500 and a free of 15, which would be, you know, middle of the road and have no complaints and feel completely fine. Okay. You know, he has no fatigue, no muscle wasting, not gaining fat around the middle is still making gains in the gym. Feels good. Good erectile quality. Okay. And then you can have another man that feels absolutely terrible, mental fatigue, physical fatigue, gaining fat around the middle, lipids are changing. Uh, so you see lipid derangements, you're seeing changes in insulin levels and blood sugar levels. Well, yeah, let's treat that. What are we waiting for? Okay. And we'll take yeah. a comprehensive approach. The thing that uh, I see quite a bit is men putting too much value on one single hormone, right? While testosterone is important, remember testosterone is broken down as DHT and, and estradiol. There are other hormones, DHEA, pregnenolone, your vitamin D. So there are other levels that are equally as important. And you really don't want to put a lot of value just on one single hormone. Like it's a magic pill that's going to fix everything. And as a, you well know, Greg, these guys come in in their 40s and 50s with the metabolic syndrome. It's a comprehensive approach. It's lifestyle modification, getting rid of the alcohol, getting rid of smoking, improving sleep hygiene, uh, um, getting regular exercise. And then nutrition, 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 nutrition is 90% of the game. So no matter what hormone we're talking about, you can, uh, I can put a guy on a litany of hormones from growth hormone to whatever peptide, the testosterone and all the ancillary hormones. It won't matter a bit if their nutrition is terrible. So the first place that I tell all the men that I take care of that you need to pay attention to is get your nutrition in check before anything else, because no hormone is going to come overcome bad dietary habits. For sure. So you miss You mentioned estrogen. Um, I want to ask you about that because I've heard you talk about that before at, at these conferences. And, uh, you know, there's a little bit of maybe controversy about estrogen level, whether to treat, whether not to treat. Um, there's a, a men's health clinic here in, in Oklahoma City. I won't mention any names, but they automatically put uh, an aromatase inhibitor in with their injections. And I've, I've seen guys from that, that their estrogen level is like zero or five. And, and uh, so just talk about that uh, a, a minute. I mean, how important is the estrogen levels when we're treating men on testosterone? Estrogen is critically important for male health and wellness, period. And blunting the effects of estrogen is bad on all counts. So estrogen is responsible for endothelial health, heart health, brain health, bone mineral metabolism. And an estradiol level under the under 20, I consider low critical. Because now you're stopping bone and mineral metabolism, you're negatively impacting endothelial vascular health, brain health, cardiovascular health. And why on earth would you do that? And sexual health. So uh, a man's libido is estrogen dependent. And a lot of uh, lay people and physicians confuse 
hormone replacement therapy or testosterone optimization or whatever label you want to give it with the abuse of testosterone. So in an appropriately managed individual uh, receiving uh, testosterone replacement therapy or optimization therapy, estradiol levels in a healthy male are generally around 60 to 80. Right. So when you see these guys that have a testosterone 400 and an estradiol level of 25, that's low, normal 60 to 80. And this knee-jerk reaction to use aromatase inhibitors to block estrogen, in my opinion, and long in my opinion, and my opinion's changed over the 25 years, uh, it is, is bad on all counts. You're negatively impacting their health. I'll get these men that come in here and they've been placed on an aromatase inhibitor. Their estrogen's less than five. And I put them on the DEXA scanner and they're osteoporotic and they're 36 years old because they've stopped bone and mineral metabolism. So, and a lot of the aromatase inhibitor use comes out of the bodybuilding world where they're using very large amounts of steroids to achieve certain physical goals. And it necessitates the use of aromatase inhibitors to, to stop the unwanted uh, really high estradiol levels, the, the side effects. So the, the bloating, the breakouts, the breast tenderness, the mood in instability that comes from really high estradiol levels. And, and in women, we see uh, bleeding, right? Uterine bleeding with really uh, out of control estrogen levels. So there are many ways to change your estradiol levels from dosage manipulation to stopping it. But using the aromatase inhibitors, very few of my patients do I use those. And, and generally, I like to only use it short term. Yeah, same here. And I got to the point, I'm rarely even checking it now. I used to check it all the time, uh, unless they have symptoms. If they have symptoms, I'll check it. Uh, if they don't have symptoms, I, I won't even check it. So, and that's something that's and, changed, and the treatment. Interesting enough, Greg, the treatment's the same. Reduce the dosage, lengthen out the, the time length on the dosage, right? Move it from memory every two or three days to four or five days, decrease the dosage. So very rarely do I use aromatase inhibitors. I do use them uh, and there is, they have utility, but long-term usage of them is asking for problems. Right? Uh, most, most docs aren't doing DEXA scans. They don't yeah. do DEXA scans. They don't look at their bones. And if they looked at their bones, you'd be like, holy smokes, I'm causing a, a, a really an unwanted side effect of this medication. Not to mention it can contribute to things like blood clots. So yeah. Another uh, hormone you mentioned is DHEA. Uh, how much of that do you recommend for men to, to take concurrently with testosterone? So in a comprehensive program, uh, its usage is certainly warranted, and I do use it quite a bit. For those uh, individuals that are on testosterone, as you well know, you stop the secretion of the gonadotropins, LH and FSH. And LH is responsible for activating the P450 side chain cleavage system, right? So it moves cholesterol from the outer mitochondrial membrane to the inner mitochondrial membrane. And then it can run down the cascades of hormone production, either the aldosterone cascade, the cortisol cascade, or the androgen cascade. So when you're on testosterone and you stop the production of the gonadotropins, LH and FSH, you're going to slow down production of pregnenolone, right? The mother of all hormones that all the other hormones come from, right? So what else you can see? You see a decline in DHEA. Now, does that happen in all individuals? No, there are some men that you can put on testosterone and there isn't a declination 
of DHEA or uh, uh, pregnenolone. But for the vast majority, once you're on testosterone, two, three, four months, you're going to see a decline in those hormones. And it generally will require that you have to replace those. So in a comprehensive program, you're never going to be taking a hormone with maybe the exception of thyroid in isolation. Makes sense. Uh, so are, are most of your men on both DHEA and pregnenolone both? Yes and okay. no. So I wait to see personally if there are any unwanted side effects from the decline in those particular hormones, mostly in pregnenolone. So pregnenolone, uh, a dominant neurosteroid and neuroactive steroid, neurosteroid that it's made from the oligodendrocytes in the brain itself and made from the adrenal glands where it can travel through the bloodstream and affect central nervous system tissue. Pregnenolone uh, metabolized into three uh, metabolites, allopregnenolone, allopregesterone, allopregnanolone, collectively referred to as the valiums of the brain responsible for keeping us calm. So some men will go on testosterone and the decline of pregnenolone uh, over time will lead to agitation, uh, anxiousness, nervousness, night terrors, and even panic attacks. And I've seen guys have catatonic panic attacks. So that, that hormone is critical to overall brain health. Uh, so on DHEA, uh, you typically recommend probably 25 to 50 milligrams a day, I'm assuming for men. It depends on the individual and what, what we're trying to achieve and how they feel. So, you know, 25 milligrams twice daily it depends on what growth hormone look, levels look like because appropriate DHEA levels will ha- increase growth hormone levels by 20, 25%. So it, it all depends. So any program I put an individual on, it's, it's an individualized treatment plan for that person. And it may change from, so initial treatment, where are we at three months, six months, nine months, a year, 18 months, we'll be making adjustments based on what we see in the laboratory and what symptoms uh, are, are not present. So um, I want to talk about the different options of testosterone therapy. So a man comes in, they have all the symptoms, they get a blood test and they're, you know, maybe low normal. And, you know, before, before saying that, I just want listeners to know what you and I both do is hormone optimization, meaning we're, getting and, and it's individualized of course but we're getting the testosterone levels up to kind of higher normal levels uh kind of optimizing those levels based on the symptoms not pushing them to super physiologic levels like you mentioned the bodybuilders you know at, at the first and so i just want to make sure people understand that and and so when we talk about getting people started on you know on some testosterone let's just Let's just go through the, the different options that are out there. Um, there's obviously shots, there's pellets, there's creams. Uh, so, so talk about each one of those individually, if you will, and maybe the pros, pros and cons of each one. So uh, it's a great question, Greg. Any doctor can make any delivery methodology for any home hormone work. That being said, uh, 25 years of clinical experience, there's some that I just know are going to work best flat out. It'd be nice if we had some other options. Uh, I, I used pellets for several years. Um, it's great for somebody who can't be disciplined enough to either take a shot or apply a cream or a gel, uh, but it does have its downfall in the sense that, you know, every three to six months you're having a subsequent minor surgical procedure, scar tissues, infections, pellet extrusion, not physiologic in its, its 
distribution of the hormone, right? So you, you put the pellet in, levels climb, and then slowly on this glide path down and hormone production doesn't occur that way. So being able to replicate the variability of the hormone through other methodologies and is, in my opinion, superior. Now you could use patches, but patches end up leaving all kinds of tissue irritation. So long past move patches. Um, I personally don't like gels because they're alcohol based and they can be irritating. So I like creams and I've always preferred the creams, lipiderm based, versa based. You can apply them anywhere on the body. The most beneficial would be for men, you know, scrotal application of testosterone cream because you get a high absorption rate because the type of tissue just needs to be manscaped so you're not treating hair because you don't want to be putting a cream in the hair. Um, depending on the individual, I may choose a synthetic. I may use a bioidentical. There's different reasons for using it. Some people are needle phobic, others are not. Some people have decent cholesterol patterns and they're and we don't have to be con too concerned about using a synthetic. Other people, they have type B cholesterol and their, their subfractions are all skewed and they're at a higher risk for heart attack or stroke. And I wouldn't dream of using a synthetic. So bioidentical is really the only option because consistent usage over 16 to 18 month period, you're going to see either a neutral to a positive shift in, in the cholesterol profile. So it, it's, it's critical to having complete labs on an individual what's recommended by the societies you know a total of free an estrogen level uh and a basic chemistry panel and then repeating it in my opinion is insufficient to truly understand what the individual needs there's a lot of other hormones that need to be looked at you need to look at the chem 14s the liver the kidneys uh, the cbc taking a deep dive in their cholesterol pattern. So nuclear magnetic, magnetic resonance lipoprotein profile calculated isn't sufficient enough. You really need to know what you're getting into. So uh, the, the creams, and I, I don't know about you, I've found with the commercial creams, I, I have a hard time getting the levels up to where- Yeah, we're they're worthless. Yeah. The concentration's far too low. Yeah, right. Yeah. So, so, and you well know, we use a higher concentration in women than what's commercially available for men. <laughs> it's really kind of laughable. Yeah. So, um, yeah, if I, if I'm going to use a cream, I'm, I'm using a compounded formula. Uh, and, and I guess if we're looking at pros and cons, the, you know, the upside to the cream is obviously there's no shot involved. I guess the downside to the cream is it's going to be a daily application or, or even twice a, twice a day. Correct. It's a little bit more labor intensive, but remember we're using a bioidentical. So it's identical to what the testicles produce versus a synthetic, which is not bioidentical. Yes. They're both made in labs, but there is a a large difference between the two. Somebody with a skewed cholesterol profile, a metabolic syndrome behind the eight ball is already at a heart at a high risk for a heart attack or stroke. I'm not using a synthetic, right? Because it's going to skew the cholesterol profile. That's why you'll see in the bodybuilding community, it's like, oh, he was 30 years old. He had a heart attack. Well, abuse of a synthetic steroid over multiple months, you're going to skew that cholesterol profile, right? You can create inflammation and cause some problems. And we're going to get in the weeds here for a minute with this question, but any concern? So I, I know that if you're using creams, you are going to uh, elevate your DHT, your dihydrotestosterone levels, a lot more so than if you're doing shots. Is And just for listeners' the, uh, sake, so D DHT is a hormone, I always describe it as kind of a double-edged sword. It can be beneficial in that maybe improve uh, the, the sexual side of things more, but then uh, the downsides to it is it can cause an increase in acne, maybe hair loss, that kind of thing. Is there any concerns of that 
rise in DHT that you might see with the, the topicals? Um, that's a yes and no, and it's really individualized. So, you know, some guys make more alpha DHT, right? Like you do, right? <laughs> Other guys make more beta DHT. So, you know, uh, it's not too problematic. Even no matter which one you make, you can still precipitate more hair loss, right? So that's always an issue. Sometimes there's the individual that does, uh, that has benign prosthetic hypertrophy or chronic prostate problems where the elevated DHT could be problematic. I did like one out of a thousand in my experience, not very often is it problematic. So um, I never really worry about elevated DHT levels. I want them elevated, right? So we're really gonna see the significant improvement. That's the man juice right there, getting that DHT to, to elevate. So it's finding a balance for the individual. If someone's seriously concerned about their hair, you know, then I'll lean more towards a synthetic if it's possible. But if they're behind the eight ball with diabetes, metabolic syndrome, you know, a, a synth, a synthetic is not going to be a good option. And I'm going to want to use a bioidentical. And there's only so many ways to deliver that. And uh, I'm not a fan of using any of the alpha reductase inhibitors because of uh, the potential for permanent sexual non-recoverable side effects. You know, so... And as we all know, a man's identity lives in his pelvis. So uh, you want that to work. And that's, that's a risk to take. I mean, I don't know. I, I, in the line of work that I've done, there's probably a good 12 to 15 guys I see a year that have used uh, uh, medications for hair loss that now have permanent erectile dysfunction. And it's not been recoverable with uh, um, any of the phospho five diesterase type inhibitors or um, injections or acoustic or extra corporal shockwave therapy. Um, just this year alone, I sent four guys out for implants, you know, and young under the age of 40, one in his twenties. So, so let's, let's talk about the shots for a minute. I, I find, I, I don't know why the, the creams, like for me, it just seems like a hard sell for guys. I, I don't know because it's, it's a daily thing. I mean, I've it's got some a little bit more there. labor intensive, right? And and I, yeah. you know, it seems like everybody's on shots, and so you know, their friends are on shots, and they're like, yeah, I just I just want to do shots. But so you know, assuming somebody's healthy, they're you know they're doing they're doing shots. What are uh, just maybe some proper regimens, uh, you know, to to do the shots. Um, I, I asked that because my dad had went to see urologists and this just baffles me that these urologists don't know anything about treating testosterone. But so of course he was really low. They started him on a large dose every three weeks. And I'm like, okay, dad, I'm, I'm not going to, I don't want to be your doctor, but don't do that. <laughs> Spread it out a little bit, you know? Yeah. Um, but, but so, so talk about just kind of a good, if somebody chooses shots, you know, just kind of some good regimens. To answer kind of the first part of your question, it's really important for lay people that are looking for hormone replacement therapy or hormone optimization therapy to work with a doctor who is in that purview and that likes working in that area. There are urologists, they just don't, that don't do hormones, but there are urologists out there that I know that are great with hormones because they want that that's part of what they want to be doing. Same thing with endocrinologists. I know endocrinologists, they're phenomenal with hormone replacement therapy. That's what their purview is in particular in testosterone. And then there's other, uh, uh, endocrinologists that focus on diabetes or thyroid problems or lipid problems. So finding a physician that works inside that realm, that that's what 
they spend the vast majority of their time doing is who you really want to work with. So I'll always default to somebody with a passion in a particular area. You know, we're all smart. We all went to medical school. We all know how to take tests. So anybody that's graduated from medical school can do this kind of work. They just have to have the passion to do that kind of work. If, if it's a urologist and he doesn't do hormone therapy, he doesn't do hormone therapy. He might focus just on prostate disease and, and specifically just want to do the surgeries. So finding the doc, you know, male, female that works in that, that realm that's really passionate about is who you really want to work with, uh, regardless of what their certification is, emergency med, family medicine, urology, endocrinology. Uh, I've never bought into that. You know, many of the advancements in medicine uh, come from other doctors outside a particular field, right? So you'll see advancements in cardiology and it's an internist that came up with the procedure. So I, I've never bought into that. Uh, as far as the, the better way to go uh, with injections, it's all really individualized. Depending on someone's metabolism, the, the rate of the metabolism, some guys will process testosterone quickly. Other guys process it slowly. So they require fewer injections. There are some guys, they're fast metabolizers, and we really need to use a daily injection versus twice a week, three times a week, once a week, once every seven to 10 days. So it varies. And sometimes it's a matter of trial and error, just like using injections for uh, to achieve an erection. You know, you start on a certain dosage with a bimix or trimix or uh, prostaglandin, and then you treat, you know, oh, that didn't quite get it where I need to be. So we're going to increase the dosage. So there is a little bit of trial and error and not every man is going to be on the same dosage. If I had to pick my favorite way to deliver testosterone, it's bioidentical in the cream. Yes. It's a little bit more labor intensive, but the results you're going to get over long-term in my opinion are superior, especially when it comes to insulin, cholesterol, uh, derangement, you're really going to see a good shift. And then it comes down to, you know, the individual, it's like, what do you want? What are you trying to achieve here? And if your ultimate goal is to live, uh, a, a, an epic life that is full of health and wellness and good sexual health, uh, you want to have a high quality of life. I'm going to tell you right now, long-term bioidentical testosterone uh, applied to the scrotum and a lipiderm reverse basis is the way to go period that, yeah it's labor intensive yeah. it's just the way it is but if you need to use it that that's my default that's the way i would go because that's where i make the big improvements i can change somebody's life drastically over 12 months with that synthetic in my opinion you always end up uh, with more unwanted side effects long term that's a great segue to my uh, next and probably last question is um, dispel some of the myths that are out there regarding testosterone replacement therapy, such as, you know, testosterone is going to uh, give me a heart attack. Testosterone is going to cause prostate cancer. It's going to cause this, going to cause that. Uh, talk no, about no, 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 no. At this point in time, I don't even think there's really an argument any longer inside the field of age management medicine and even outside even the college of urology and endocrinology and cardiology for that matter there's there's, there's hundreds of studies that show that uh testosterone uh, does not contribute to heart attacks and strokes and quite the opposite it prevents heart attacks and strokes we know from the intermountain studies uh that men uh, with pre-existing cardiovascular events strokes and heart attacks 
uh, over the age of, I think it's 50, uh, with low testosterone die at a much higher rate. And those that are on high levels of testosterone replacement live longer, happier, healthier lives by far. I mean, the data has been, these randomized controlled uh, double-blinded studies have proven it. And there's hundreds of studies out there that show quite the opposite, that testosterone, bioidentical testosterone, right, uh, is cardioprotective. So I would argue quite the opposite. And I, and I think at this point, it's well known. Anyone that wants to argue that it causes heart attacks and strokes just isn't familiar with the literature. Prostate cancer, that, that's beating a dead horse, you know, at this point, I, seriously. We know it's the opposite, that high levels of testosterone are protective of the prostate and prevent prostate cancer, just like high levels of testosterone prevent breast cancers in women. So enough's enough. We, we know that it's cardioprotective. We know that it's protective of the prostate. We know it's protective of breast tissue and has all kinds of other health benefits from mental to physical to spiritual across the board. And there's plenty of studies to, to show that when somebody has a question, I have I don't know how many three ring binders full of studies. And I just pull out the study and go, which group do you want to be in? Do you want to be in the low testosterone group, low vitamin D group? Look at the rate of death and how quick they die. Or do you want to be in the group that has high levels of testosterone, high levels of vitamin D? Look how much longer they live and how much healthier lives they live. You choose. And I let the patient tell me, here's the data. You tell me what group you want to be in. Uh, I, I know your uh, answer to this question, but um, I'm going to ask it anyways. What uh, what levels do you try to get testosterone to when you have somebody on therapy? I, I don't, I have no level in mind. Okay. I go for symptom resolution. Symptom resolution is what I want. When we have a reversal of the symptoms and no one wanted side effects, we have a win, right? That's 10 out of 10 therapy right there. Gotcha. So no one wanted side effects, symptom resolution, and we're making life changes. That's a 10 out of 10 win. Anything else as we wrap up that you, I didn't ask that you just feel like it's important to say about testosterone in men. Realizing that a comprehensive approach is what's needed. If you think that you're going to take a single hormone and it's going to alter your life, you're misinformed. While testosterone can certainly, and the replacement of it can certainly be life changing, you really need to make all your lifestyle adjustments as well. So how you eat, what you eat, when you eat, your sleep and sleep hygiene, your exercise habits, uh, all are just as important because then you get the synergistic effect. It's longer one plus one plus one plus one equals four. It's, it equals 16 because the synergistic effect of having your nutrition in check, your lifestyle factors in check, your exercise in check, your hormones in check, your water in check, all those kind of things. So uh, it's really about a lifestyle, not just taking a single hormone. And those that think taking a single hormone is going to change everything like some magic pill, you're just, you're mistaken. You mentioned it earlier. I think too, it's important to, for people to, to find a doctor that um, A, knows what they're doing. And, and those are usually the ones that are passionate about this. And, and that's how I learned all, about all this. You know, I don't know, three, four, five years ago, I just kind of became more passionate about it, started, you know, researching it and everything. So, uh, you know, if you're, you're, you're in Ohio, is that correct? Correct. Yeah. Okay. I'm kind of all over the place okay. as of late, looking at open some places up in Florida, but yeah. Oh, wow. 
Yeah, okay. I look at the Carolinas as two. Yeah, I've got that point. I kind of want to be somewhere warm in the winter. So I don't I don't blame you. So I'll uh, tell people here in just a minute how to get a hold of you. Uh, if, if people are listening and they're in Oklahoma area, especially Oklahoma City, uh, you know, where I'm in Mustang, Oklahoma, just go to vibrantlifedc.com uh, to find uh, me or my wife. We both uh, do this this kind of hormone replacement therapy. So, so I always uh, wrap up my interviews by asking my guests just if they could give us one health tip uh, that would make us healthier today, what would you say? Nutrition. And what I mean by nutrition is healthful eating and uh, lean proteins and vegetables, man, turkey, fish, beef, eggs, rabbit, deer, venison, ostrich, you name it. And vegetables, vegetables, vegetables work miracles. And then adjust your starchy carb based off your exercise for the day. So nutrition is really 90% of the game. You can make a lot of changes in your life by adjusting how you eat and when you eat, shifting that, that time frame to 11 to 7, 11, 8 to 7 P so that you get 16 hours of no food in your gut and man, lean proteins and vegetables works miracles every time. Yeah. I tell people to, you know, uh, just to keep it simple to, you know, try to eat real food and choose food that has one ingredient. And if you do that, you're, you're never going to go wrong. So. Yeah. It, it's not complicated. Quite frankly, nutrition is not kind of complicated. And I don't know why everybody has to complicate it. Uh, it really all comes down to self-respect. Are you going to respect the temple and put healthful foods into it? Or are you going to disrespect it and cakes, cookies, candies, chips, and sodas and not get good sleep and not exercise, drink too much alcohol you know, if you're going to do all those things and take testosterone, what, what are you doing? Sure. That makes yeah. no sense, right? Okay. Well, uh, Dr. Rob, we appreciate your time. Uh, you can be found at renewhealth.com, R-E-N-U-E health.com. Uh, any other way? There's Yes, sir. Easiest way to find us, just give us a call here at the office or uh, if you log on to the website, there's patient contact forms. You can just request a consultation. But uh, yeah, that was great. It was really fun talking to you, Greg. Yeah, perfect. Um, yep. We appreciate your time and uh, thank you guys for listening and uh, we will talk to you next time. Thank you for listening to fit RX. I invite you to share this with friends and family. If you would like, you can check out our website at vibrantlifedc.com or you can email me at drgreg@vibrantlifedc.com. at vibrantlifedc.com.